Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to This Week Again. I'm your host, Suzanne Posel. We're going to start off this show with the government's too old to govern problem. Move on to why Lindsey Graham and Jim Jordan have Georgia on their minds and follow all of that up with an update to our ongoing docuseries, What's the 14th Amendment Got to Do with Trump? Let's begin, shall we? Some say tradition is just dead people guilting the living into doing something. And while I don't know who they are, I have to say they have a point. For example, the electing elderly people to important state and federal government positions tradition that we have here in the United States. And while this historical convention is not unique to the United States, that doesn't mean the practice isn't giving multi-generational destruction of our country vibes. Case in point, Glitchy McConnell, who recently got a clean bill of health from an obviously unqualified congressional doctor, after suddenly pausing in front of reporters for a second time in the last couple of months. A Capitol physician says Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell can go back to work. After he abruptly froze mid-speech for a second time in as many as two months. Letter from the attending physician here at the Capitol saying that he is, in the doctor's words, after evaluating yesterday's incident, informing Leader McConnell that he's medically cleared to continue with his schedule as planned. Um, no. No. See... Like most of you listening, I saw both moments when Conjure McConnell froze in what only can be described as a really old man seeing death incarnate in two separate press conferences with his own eyes, staring off into the distance, wondering whether or not this is it. So I got to say, folks, we need a second opinion and not this one from the overdue nursing home resident from Kentucky. Republican Mitch McConnell addressed questions about his health playing down concerns over transparency, including from a few members of his own party, saying he plans to complete his term. Mitch McConnell insisting there's no reason for him to step down. What Dr. Monahan's report addressed was concerns people might have that some things that happened to me did happen. Well, they didn't. I think he pretty well covered the subject. I'm going to finish my term as leader and I'm going to finish my Senate term. Of course you will. You've got so many promises left undone, like making sure Biden appointed judges aren't approved by Congress and holding on to your seat for dear life because another not so Supreme Court seat may become available and we can't have Democrats getting their pick on the bench. Am I right? As far as Methuselah from Kentucky is concerned, his made-up Biden rule is now the new standard, meaning the sequel to When a President Met Merrick Garland is always in production. Seems obvious to me that Peepaw McConnell cares more about power than he does about anything else in this whole wide world, not his wife, not his constituents, this marionette from Dead Silence doesn't care about anything but maintaining control in the name of the Republican agenda, otherwise known as Project 2024. And I talked about that on a previous show, which when this one is over, please go check out the archives. Anywho, 
Don't think for a moment geriatric politicians refusing to leave their post is exclusively a Republican problem, because it's not. Democrats have a Mima and a Peepaw problem, too. Enter Dianne Feinstein. New reports that Feinstein has given power of attorney to her daughter as the senator faces legal battles over her late husband's trust. Basically, the power of attorney is to her 66-year-old daughter, Catherine, Catherine Feinstein, to help handle the legal battles over her late husband, Richard Bloom's estate. Basically, Catherine Feinstein, the only child, is at odds with the other three daughters of a previous uh, marriage over the ownership of luxury beach house owned by Feinstein. Yes, it could mean uh, that she's incapacitated and can't make these decisions. Well, yeah, I would say that it does. The last time I checked, power of attorney isn't an option for a 2024 Tesla purchase. It's something adult children obtain because mom or dad are just too old. They can't take care of their shit like their finances and making important decisions, signing off on contractual agreements. But folks, that's just the start. And I don't buy the official narrative that Diane gave her lawyer daughter power of attorney to handle the estate issues because her daughter is a lawyer and a practicing one at that, which means Diane's daughter is hireable as legal representation. And folks, that does not require power of attorney. See, what Diane probably doesn't want people to realize is that she's currently 90 years old, and neuroscience tells us a 90-year-old woman's brain has shrunk due to age. And the parts of her brain that have gotten a wee bit smaller control things like learning and communication, two things among a vast many others she needs to have a grip on if she's going to be a sitting senator, which she clearly doesn't because her daughter is in charge of her personal life. So why doesn't Diane go and quit her day job and enjoy whatever time she has left? And for that matter, why is the median age for politicians in the House of Representatives 57 years old? And the median age for senators is 65 years old. Because if older is wiser, then why isn't the United States in the top 20 smartest countries in the world? Oh, I know. We've got nothing but depends and centrum hobbling up and down the halls of Congress, and yet we compare ourselves to other nations like we've got a standing. Maybe we need to get more people elected to political positions who aren't eligible for a senior cellular discount. And wouldn't you know it, it looks like there may be an opening for a young would-be senator in South Carolina now that Lindsay, the brown-noser Graham, just found out about Georgia Fulton County's grand jury's recommendations. Well, the judge has released the Fulton County Special Grand Jury's full report on interference into the 2020 election in Georgia. The district attorney did not decide to charge all of the people and all of the crimes that were recommended by the grand jury. Among those in this full report, South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham and two former senators from Georgia, Dave Perdue and Kelly Loeffler. But when you look at the vote count, sort of how the members of the special grand jury came back, it was clear they were divided on whether these individuals should be charged. There was a recommendation, but it was not unanimous and it wasn't just one person voting no. Oh, so what you're saying is 
Because the grand jury had a few stragglers who were confused over whether or not election-denying Lindsay should actually be charged in his actions regarding the fake electors RICO case, and the DA says, <laughs> hard pass for us. My question is, what did Lindsay do to get on their radar in the first place other than flip positions on Trump like an extra in a gay porno? According to the report, the Georgia Secretary of State in 2020 got a call from Lindsay himself asking for a large number of ballots to be rejected from the final count because that would help the big Lebowski steal the election from President-elect Joe Biden. Of course, Lindsay clutched his pearls, denying that this ever happened when he testified to that same grand jury. But the Georgia Secretary of State did record ludicrous calling for 11,700 votes. So I'm guessing there's probably a soundtrack to the fake elector scheme featuring Lindsey Graham hanging out somewhere at the Secretary of State's office. But then again, I'm not an attorney, let alone a DA or an AG, so what do I know? Other than the senator from South Carolina, better hope a lawyer with moxie doesn't get a hold of that phone call that he made. For now, Lindsay is just going to keep clutching those pearls, aghast at the thought that he would be part of a unsavory scheme as such, a phone call that he is definitely denying. At the end of the day, nothing happened. What I did was consistent with my job as being United States Senator, Chairman of the Judiciary Committee, but it was just not me. Three United States Senators were opening up Pandora's box. I think the system in this country is getting off the rails, and we have to be careful not to use the legal system as a political tool. Oh, bless your heart for reminding us that you had two cohorts helping you with your attempts to defraud millions of Americans so you could install the commander-in-chief for another round of This Sure Ain't Legal. And as for your assertions, I'm going to call bullshit. First off, it is not the job of any senator, state or federal, to call up a secretary of any state and ask them to throw out ballots just because your guy lost that state. Secondly, it doesn't make it any less illegal if you had two morons committing crimes alongside you. It just means you brought accessories. If anything, it also reinforces the legal theory that this fake elector shenanigans was really an organized crime syndicate with Golden Girl Graham as a crucial part. And lastly, charging people who commit crimes is not using the law as a political tool, it's using the law as it was intended. And speaking of what's new in Georgia, Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis just responded to a letter from Ohio's worst sports coach turned incompetent congressman, Mr. Jim Pedophile Adjacent Jordan. And in case you don't have the fucking faintest clue what I'm talking about, here is a refresher. The House Judiciary Committee is launching an investigation into Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis, questioning her, quote, motivations for prosecuting former President Donald Trump. It is also demanding she turn over information on the investigation. U.S. House Judiciary Committee Chair Jim Jordan 
asking how she got information during the investigation. Jordan also asked Willis if she contacted the Department of Justice or White House officials during her investigation or used any federal money for it. Just what you'd expect from a Neanderthal-looking pasty white boy with a small penis complex who thinks his position as chair of the House Judiciary Committee gives him the right to break the law. Good for us, Fonnie Willis knows how to write an educational letter in the most scathing way possible. Roll tape. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis is issuing a scathing rebuke to Republican House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan. She writes in part that their interest in this case, she says, is an obvious effort to interfere in the case they're doing, to obstruct a Georgia cr criminal proceeding, is her exact words, and said that there's no justification in the Constitution for Congress to get involved here at all. Going on to write, the defendants in this case have been charged under state law with committing state crimes. There is absolutely no support for Congress purporting to second guess or somehow supervise an ongoing criminal investigation and prosecution. <laughs> so Fonnie just snapped Representative Slim Jim with a crash course in what a district attorney does. A line of work the worst coach ever is definitely not familiar with. Not to mention nowhere in Jim Bob's job description as a congressman does it mention obstructing justice for a friend of yours isn't really a crime if you do it during work hours. Oh, and spending taxpayer money, which also, you know what, this leads me to another topic because I have noticed that there is a renewed interest in the United States Constitution. And for once, this doesn't have anything to do with Nicolas Cage. Apparently, the Washington watchdog group known as Citizens for Responsible Ethics, who go by the superhero acronym CREW, has filed a lawsuit in Colorado to bring some attention to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And why, you might ask? Well, because... Despite his legal troubles, former President Trump has a clear lead in the race for the Republican nomination. But is he qualified to run? Some legal scholars believe he's barred from serving again based on language in the U.S. Constitution. It comes down to the 14th Amendment, a Civil War-era clause in the Constitution that disqualifies candidates who have engaged in insurrection or rebellion or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. Whatever Trump's moral culpability was for the riot that occurred, that he fomented his tweet that it will be wild on January 6th, those kinds of things that clearly implicate him in the January 6th attack, does it count as engaging within the meaning of the Constitution, or is it sufficiently giving aid and comfort to the insurrectionists? Holy Civil War era irony, Batman. It looks like the words of Section 3 in the 14th Amendment say that Dingus Khan can't be presidents again because the marginally sentient spray tan, at the very least, gave aid and comfort to gravy seals and pasty members of Meal Team 6 who broke into the Capitol, smeared their shit all over the walls, and played congressmen in the House of Representatives. But don't take my word for it. Here's a memory lane montage to help jog your full-blown confirmation bias. The attack that erupted at the Capitol was ignited 18 days earlier with an overnight tweet from former President Trump that was a call to arms to march on Washington. Trump repeated his big lie and claimed it was, quote, statistically impossible 
to have lost the 2020 election before calling for a big protest in D.C. on January 6th. President Trump, in the early morning hours today, tweeted that he wants the American people to march on Washington, D.C. All of the public legal filings related to January 6th defendants, at least 174 of those defendants said, in one way or another, that they were answering Donald Trump's calls when they traveled to Washington and joined the violent attack. Is any of that ringing any bells? Because the Al-Qaeda militia members who have been arrested for January 6th are apparently sounding the alarm, saying that it was Schittler's tweets and encouragement that inspired their adventures in treasoning. But if you're still on the fence over whether or not Cheeto Von Dictator provided aid and comfort to the angry white mob that descended on the Capitol three years ago, I present to you the Commander-in-Chief, in his own words, speaking directly to his dollar menu army after the insurrection he started had been raging for more than four hours. Roll tape. We can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel, but go home and go home in peace. Now, I'm not a constitutional scholar. Heck, I haven't even read the entire document all the way through. But I know aid and comfort when I hear it. And saying that you love something, that they are special to you, these insurrectionists, is definitely a comforting sentiment. And if you're asking the Reich wing weekend soldiers to kindly stop insurrectioning and go home instead of having them rounded up and jailed on the spot, isn't providing aid to traitors, then I don't know what is. For now, there is a concerted effort to get Donnie Two Scoops off the 2024 ballot where it counts on the state level because elections are controlled by the states. Bids to remove the danger yam from the ballot are happening right now in New Hampshire, Florida, Colorado, Michigan, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. And some of those are battleground states where it's so purple, no one can tell which way the voters are going to go. So you see, it would be kind of impossible for Eric's dad to get reelected if he isn't a votable candidate in all 50 states. And an uber problem for Republicans because with Mayor McTreason leading their voters by 46 points over others hoping to get their party's nomination, they've got no other option than to ride this burning train wreck all the way to November 2024. Although I can't say they don't deserve everything that's coming to them. And that's all I have to say about that. New episodes of This Week Again air every Sunday, and you can follow the show on social media wherever you can find us. This Week Again is available for your listening pleasure on places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon Music, or basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to this show, and to dare for now.